Hi, welcome back to another podcast. This is the American Teen Podcast, and this is your host, Weisserl. So glad to be talking to you today. And I want to just jump right into a few things. So I was trying to like um, do some betting online because I found this pretty good betting strategy that I was thinking of when I was looking at the presidential election odds on bet online or odds checker and first things first i think it's really odd that people can bet on the u.s presidential elections even if you're in like another country so even like you the united kingdom can bet on the presidential elections in the united states which i think is very strange but i mean i guess you can bet on pretty much anything and so I wanted to sign up for an account to do this betting strategy where I would pretty much win like the majority of time over the long run. So I decided it was probably in my best financial interest to get good at betting. So over the long term, I could probably win like like probably like $7 for every 10 no, for like every like $5 that I put in, I think it would be around that. So that's like a 20% increase on whatever I put in. And if I got good, maybe I would increase this to probably like 40% to 50% increase on my initial investment. So I downloaded um, this, this betting website called um, Fuel something fuel I'm going to actually look it up because I want to get I want to get the name right it's FanDuel sports sportsbook FanDuel sportsbook and I signed I signed up an account for myself using my dad's information because you have to be like 21 years old and I know his birthday and the last four numbers of his social security number so I just decided to put that into the into the website and it worked i was able to register account register an account and it was good i was all set up i was ready to put my first bet on this like women's open tennis match and actually i have no clue who won that match but odds were in my favor that i would probably make like at least $17 off this match if I put $20 into it. Um, generally, I like putting a 50-50 split on the odds, maybe a 60-40, and put the 60 towards who I think is going to win. And hopefully that person is generally the underdog. If we get like an odds like negative 200 to positive 400, I think those are pretty good odds. And I'll probably likely want to, yeah, I'll probably want to invest in that kind of odds. The presidential election right now has actually outstanding odds. So Trump comes in at a negative 110, so he's the favorable one in the betting position. Um, Joe Biden is right behind him at like positive 500. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are also around positive 500. 
So the good thing about this is that if you were if you were to put fifty percent of your money into Donald Trump and fifty percent of your money into one of those Democratic candidates, you would either come out neutral, so you wouldn't lose any money, or you would come out positive. So you're kind of using Trump as a safety net for your financial losses. So if you put like $10 into Donald Trump, you would get $10 back plus the $10 that you put in. So you would get like double your money. So you get $20 back. If you put $10 into Joe Biden, then you'd get $50 back. Okay. So let's say that Donald Trump wins. You lose all the all the money that you put into Joe Biden. Uh, you still come out neutral because all of that money that you put in went towards Donald Trump and he, he won, which means you got twice the money, which means all that money that you bet on Joe Biden is safe because you bet on Trump. But in the event that one of the Democratic candidates wins, you get five times the amount that you put in. So let's say you put in $1,000, okay? $1,000 for Trump, for your safety net, $1,000 for for Joe Biden. So you you end up, um, you lose the $1,000 because Trump loses. Um, you get $5,000 because it's a five in one odd or positive 500 odds for Joe Biden. So you get $5,000 from Joe Biden plus the $1,000 that you put in. So I think that's like 6,000, 6,000 if I'm right. Maybe it's just 5,000. So whatever, you're, you're like up like 4,000 to $5,000 even though that you lost $1,000 on Trump. So if you had like $10,000, I, I would honestly bet my entire house. I'd bet my life savings and everything I own, even for the small chance that one of these Democratic candidates wins, which they probably won't. So honestly, I'd rather probably put like 70% into Donald Trump and 30% into a Democratic candidate. Honestly, um, I don't think any of the Democratic candidates are going to win against Trump unless it's Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang has pretty good policies that are really convincing to Trump supporters. Um, I'm not looking at this through like a subjective lens. I'm really trying to look at like this through an objective lens of what the majority of American voters want and where the delegates will probably land. So the delegates will land probably leaning towards like the top three Democratic nominees, which is Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. So one of those three is probably going to win. But they're probably going to lose the election against Trump. Because even 25% of the Democrats don't believe in the socialist policies that they're putting forth. Which is fine. So they lose. You bet your house on Donald Trump and one of the Democratic candidates. Hopefully you put like more money towards Donald Trump so maybe you'll actually make something. Uh, let's say that right now you have you sold your house because you think it's a good idea to bet in the elections. You sold your house. Um, you have like $200,000 from it. 
You soldier. Okay, so you put that towards that two hundred thousand dollars towards sixty uh, percent Trump, forty percent, let's say Andrew Yang, because I think Andrew Yang has probably the best probability at um, defeating Trump if he is the Democratic nominee. And Andrew Yang has a, a 2,400-plus 2, odds. So the odds of him becoming president right now are 1 to 24. So it's very unlikely that he'll actually become president. So let's just say that the off chance that he's probably the best candidate to win against Trump in that situation. So you put 60% towards Trump. So I don't know what that is. That's a lot of money. That's like like 80,000 or something. No, that's more than 50%. Um, probably like 120,000. You put 120,000 towards Donald Trump. Donald Trump wins. You get like your $120,000 back plus the $100,000 that you put in. So you get $240,000 in total, from betting on Donald Trump. But to use the $80,000, let's pull up a quick calculator. Okay, so you bet $80,000 on the Andrew Yang candidate, and he has a 24-odd. So, holy balls. You'll win $2 million. <laughs> betting $80,000 on Andrew Yang. And let's just say that you lose. So Donald Trump ends up becoming president. You lose $80,000, but you still had that one hundred that $120,000 towards Trump, which you won, so you get $240,000 minus that $80,000 that you lost. And you're still on top with $160,000. Actually, no. Nope, it did not work that way. So you have two, $240,000 minus the 80000 that you put in. Yeah. So I think you end up losing like $40,000. So it's probably a better idea to just split it 50-50. But if Andrew Yang wins, you pretty much win like $2 million, which will probably set you up for life. But very, very unlikely. Yeah. So anyways, I tried betting on some, some uh, U.S. women's tennis matches today. And yeah, I filled out all the information, did everything I could. Then I went to go place in a bet. And it told me that I couldn't because I am currently living in Utah. And Utah hasn't passed any legislation allowing for online betting to take place. So I decided to like, you know what, screw it. So I downloaded a VPN to spoof my location to put me in a state that has passed um, betting legislation for online betting. So I put myself in New York City. And then I go back onto the app and it says, sorry, uh, we see that you're using a VPN 
Uh, you're probably not in New York City. Um, get rid of the VPN or we're going to ban your account. And I was like, damn. I honestly have no clue what else to do. So I spent the next four or five hours trying to jailbreak my iPhone and get a location spoofing app that doesn't involve a VPN. So I'm still in the process of trying to figure out a way to spoof my location so I could probably put myself in New Jersey so I'm able to bet on different things and hopefully make some money off of what I bet. Or in the off chance that that still doesn't work, I'll probably just end up trying to bet on penny stocks because it's probably, probably honestly, the pro- a similar process. But I think betting on sports is more interesting because you can actually watch the sports in person and you can root for whoever wins or loses. So, yeah, that's that's something that I want to try. I, I'm kind of interested in the idea of penny stocks and just seeing how that idea would work out. But anyways, I guess we'll move on to the daily life of the American teen. So I woke up at like 7.40. And amazingly enough, it's like super cool in my in my room, at least for the meantime, because I put in a I put in a AC machine in my window. So it cools down my room really well. And now I don't have to worry about like the sweltering heat in the mornings and sweating my balls off. So it's freezing, yet it takes me like an hour to get to campus and I'm like only two miles away. It's because I had to like go to the bus stop like 10 minutes early. The bus drops me off like 20 minutes later. I have to spend like the rest of my time trying to like walk to my class. So it's a very taxing and annoying thing that I have to deal with every single day. It drains a lot of my time out of my day. And I'm I'm still constantly thinking about oh, my plan for the future, what I really want to do. And I definitely think this podcast would be much more interesting if I was like traveling around the world, um, documenting my experiences with like natives and just the culture I'm around, the difference that I see in American culture versus the culture of a foreign land. And yeah, I think I think it's a great idea. Um, this will probably be my last semester of college ever. I'm going to finish it through because it's what I do. I'm, I want to finish things. I don't want to quit uh, when things get hard or annoying. Even if they suck and e- even if there are things that I don't really see use for, I'll still follow through with it. Uh, till the end of my abilities, and then I'll decide to switch paths. So once I decide to drop out of college, I'm still kind of on my parents' payroll. I'm kind of an employee to my parents. So then they'll ask, um, what are your career um, opportunities that that will be present in your life if you don't go to college? I pretty much already have this figured out. I'll do the internship, gain experience, put it on my resume, find another internship or an actual job in digital marketing, and just pretty much climb the corporate ladder. 
you don't need a gr- you don't need a degree to get a a foot in the door for an internship because they teach you everything on the job because either one it's free or two they pay very very low which i mean for the experience and uh, putting it on your resume it's it's worth it and other than that i'll probably focus a lot of my time on doing pharmaceutical studies um trying to get that 30,000 plus learning how to invest in penny stocks in betting online so I'll probably make an extra 20,000 with the money that I put in um I'm still I think I'll probably stick it out with the apartment maybe I think I'm probably going to try and lean towards buying a a van so I'll, my lifestyle is more mobile and I'll try to find a place in in Utah to put the put the van I think every other month I'll probably uh, the the months off that I have from doing the studies, I'll probably go to California and just surf the entire month and then go back, do another study, um, meet some people. I think that's my biggest problem right now is just that so- social structure. That's kind of the bigger reason why I'm in university is to meet new people. Um, at the at Utah State University, it was actually very difficult to meet meet new people because I was starting at zero, zero people I knew, and trying to work at zero, work from zero to like a ton. And I, I realized this in in high school that um, I pretty much grew up with like the same like ten or twenty people that I knew like pretty well from elementary school all the way up to high school. Those 20 people probably introduced me to like five people, five new people every year. Those five new people probably introduced me to another five new people. And then at the end of high school, I was very well known and I knew a lot of people. And that's mainly because I started at like a 20, 20, 20 good acquaintances and friends. But when I started my, my experience at USU, I was pretty much starting at zero. I knew absolutely no one. I had no connections to build connections off of. And I was pretty much getting nowhere. But I made the switch to the University of Utah because I knew one person that I could call a good friend. And now he's kind of less of a good friend. But now I've kind of migrated towards the people that he's introduced me. So I know two people. And two people that I know introduced me just recently to one other guy. And that guy is part of a fraternity, which knows many other guys. So the more opportunities I have to meet and hang out, build that relationship, I'll probably be introduced to more people, build a better relationship with them and him and the people I'm around. So that's just how I, how I, kind of climb the ladder of um, networking. That's just my thought process behind it and just really my strategy on how I do it. So trying to find that social structure in a place that you know absolutely no one is much, much, much more difficult. But if you're in an environment where you at least know one person, that one person knows one person, maybe two people, maybe three people, 
then I think it just grows exponentially from there. You either know absolutely no one or you know pretty much everyone. That's just pretty much how it is. And it's pretty much like that with life. I mean, failure breeds failure, success breeds success. The more opportunities you're given, the more opportunities you'll have. The less opportunities you, you're given, the less opportunities you'll have. And that's just pretty much how it works with really anything. I mean, the top one percent of top one percent of all the richest people in the world control like ninety nine percent of the wealth. Top ten percent of the richest people control ninety percent of the wealth. It's like kind of like this weird distribution. But if you can really like get in the game, if you really have a shot at success, and you build from there. I think I think that's a better starting point. I think connections are very powerful as well. I think people are like um, really quick to jump into judgment. So like some of the people that I know or have known um, are, are usually like really quick to judge like minuscule actions that I take, right? So if I like don't do something that they seem is probably the practical way of tackling a situation, they think that it's like stupid. Yeah, they don't necessarily say it directly, but it's more of like an indirect thing used by the tone of their voice. I'm a very unconventional thinker and I I take unconventional action. And most of the time that it works for me, mainly because I don't know, I, I base a lot of my, my opinions and actions off of data and facts and just reason. And I, I also take like new creative approaches to tackle a situation. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it works out for me in a lot of situations, but people see me do this and they think that it's very unconventional and stupid. And I think they just judge because they're insecure about themselves. So they just want to make themselves feel better about themselves because they didn't think of that solution first as an actual solution. And maybe they pass off that they were right the entire time, even though that there were spots where they were obviously incorrect. I think it's very fascinating to watch people who are so desperately trying to be correct and right. And honestly, like, it's almost impossible to be right at everything or even a few things. Because there's only two things for certain in this life. One is death. Everyone's going to die. The second is taxes. You're probably going to be taxed. <laughs> uh, maybe not. There's probably there's only one thing that's certain in life, and that's death. That's pretty much it. Any other knowledge that you think you know is probably incorrect at some level. It's probably 99% true, and probably true beyond a reasonable doubt, but there's still that margin of error. And it's pretty much impossible to be right all the all of the time. 
And I don't know why people are so fascinated about the idea of always being right. Because I think, I think it doesn't give you any room for growth or experience because, or learning. Like it just stunts your growth and learning and experiences to a halt. Because if you, if you think that you're right in all cases, you have nowhere to grow, then you're not going to grow at all from that situation. So in every situation that I put myself, every unorthodox thinking or way of action, I make sure that I learn from the experience and I apply it to future experiences and that I pretty much know nothing because the only true knowledge is knowing that you know nothing. That was a quote by Plato or Aristotle. I honestly don't know, but it's a good quote and it makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty empathetic towards people who um, don't do things correctly the first time because I know people are very judgmental about the things that I do. <laughs> At least the people that I'm around, they're, they're very quick to judge and criticize. But I'm very empathetical towards, like, other people for not getting things right the first time and just going along with their insecurities. And I don't, I don't know if that's probably the best way to tackle the situation, but I don't want to be constantly debating ideas because one, I'm not super excellent and proficient in debating with people. And two, I feel like it doesn't really get me anywhere and it doesn't really breed a positive outcome or solution and it may hinder your relationship with the other person so i just try to avoid that at all costs and just use a more um less judgmental approach and yeah i think that just stems from people from understanding that people judge me and criticize me all the time and i can take it i don't i honestly don't care well, I do care at some level, but I don't I don't let it affect me or my actions or my decisions. Because I I I'm under the impression that the only person who truly cares about you for your entire lifetime is yourself. And maybe even you don't care about yourself sometimes. But you have the opportunity to always care for yourself. And maybe you have a good friend or a parent or a sibling that cares about you, but they're still imposing their own judgments and ideas upon yourself. So the only one who really knows what's best for you is yourself and the ideal that you're trying to reach. And I definitely would encourage you to try and reach that ideal. And not be stuck in a traditional life that you don't really enjoy or like that much. And just really try to figure out, figure out one thing. Spend a lot of time thinking about what you would do if money wasn't a problem. What you would do if money were no object. What would you do if you didn't have to worry about money? Like, what kind of lifestyle would you live? What kind of person would you be? Like, how would you how how would your decisions and thinking be different? Uh, a lot of people would say travel. Actually, 
And if you break it down um, in a step-by-step guide to world travel, um, a lot of things that will halt you other than money is fear and probably judgments from your family. So the biggest one is fear. So you have to find a way to like break out of the fear. You have to find a way to break out of the judgment from your family, which can be very difficult, but it's possible. I don't believe money is an excuse because I think there's many, many countless opportunities for you to make a substantial amount of money that will allow you to travel as much and as frequently as you would like. The only problem is you have to cut your finances very low and you have to sacrifice a luxurious experience with a more meaningful experience. So, I don't know. That's that's how I see it. And I'm just going to cut it off there. I hope you enjoyed listening to every single second of this podcast. This was the American Teen Podcast. I'm grateful that you got this far and that you listened the entire way. I love you. <laughs> Have a great day. My name is Wyatt Goodbye.